Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So this morning we're, we're starting a series called Kingdom Family. Say Kingdom Family. Here's the cool thing about the idea of kingdom family. So the church is a kingdom family. It's the family of God. The cool thing about the word kingdom, a lot of times when we think kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, we think about where we go when we die, but the kingdom of God is actually the rule and reign of God here and now in our midst through our lives. And it's what God is doing now is he's taking his glory, his kingdom to cover the whole earth. And so we're invited to be a part of it. Kingdom family, because the kingdom of God is family. The kingdom of God is family. It's not just organizational structures and, and, and meetings and all that kind of stuff, but it is actually family. You know why it's family? Because when God told us how to pray, he said, pray to our father, meaning that we're collectively brothers and sisters and we are God's kids. And so it's our responsibility as a family to represent our God really well, our father really well. And so the kingdom is actually this, it's a family business. It's not just us getting together and singing Kumbaya and having a good time and you know, having some sort of like community support groups and that kind of stuff, but it's actually the people of God carrying out the business of God in the world. And God's invited us into that. And so it's such a cool thing because we get to represent our, our father, our family really well. And so as we talk about kingdom family, we're, get, we're just gonna spend a few weeks just talking, what does it look like for us to be a kingdom family? This morning, I, I wanna start with, I believe, one of the foundational pieces of kingdom family, and that's this, that everybody gets to play. Amen. The concept is called the priesthood of all believers, and the truth is, is that you have a calling from God to be a priest. That's what God's doing. He's made you to be a priest. We don't have to get robes or you know, collars or whatever, but we all actually have a calling to be priests. It's what Jesus established in the new covenant, but it's what God always intended from the beginning uh, of, of creation is that we would be a kingdom of priests. Go with me if you want to uh, actually go to Deuteronomy 5. I'm just gonna read a little bit out of uh, Exodus 19. First, I wanna share a story with you. Years ago, my brother, who was just up here, Josh, and I, we, we had a, a young guy in college ask us if we would meet with him. And so we, we sat down at Alvin Ord's and we had a conversation. And he said, guys, I really feel like I'm called to be a pastor. And we said, okay, well, why, why do you feel like you're called to be a pastor? And he said, well, he said, I, I really feel like I have some good things to say, but nobody will listen to me. So if I become a pastor, maybe they'll listen to me. True story, um, we, we actually, I don't know that we knew how to respond very well. Um, the, the truth is though that all of us have a ministry and we actually have a particular place or particular places where the favor of God is on us to represent him well. And so I don't have the same ministry that you have and you don't have the same ministry probably that the person sitting next to you has, but you have a specific ministry. My friend Patrick was telling me about a book he was reading. I tend to get the hearsay on, on books. I did more cliff notes than reading in high school. And uh, so he was telling me about this book. I think it's called The Five Voices. And what, they, what the research did in this book is they paid attention to the authority that was on people's voice. 
And so somebody, when they start talking about a particular subject or in a particular manner, some people have like everybody's ears, everybody's paying attention to them. Other people, it's like they, they start talking about a topic. Like if I'm in a conversation with a bunch of musicians, if I start trying to jump into that conversation, it's like everybody goes to their phones, they start looking around. Why? Because I don't have authority in that place, right? And so the cool thing is, is that you actually have a realm of authority and scripture, the Greek word for it is metron. You actually have a place that God has created for you to minister, to represent him well. And so our role as kingdom people is actually, and as a kingdom family is to discover that and to help each other discover that um, and, and walk in the call, the authority that God has given to us. But we're gonna start off uh, in Exodus 19. I told you to go to Deuteronomy 5. You can stay there. This is um, what's going on is Moses has under the influence, the leading of God led a bunch of slaves out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And he's leading them into the promised land. And God reveals to them his purpose for them. Exodus 19.6, he says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. Say kingdom of priests. Priest. And a holy nation. Yeah, you can say holy nation, do that. The word holy means this, it means to be set apart. And you see what God was doing is he was revealing his plan for the people of Israel that they would be a kingdom of priests. Not a kingdom with priests, but a kingdom of priests. It's important for us as we talk about priesthood of all believers, it's important for us to talk about what is the role of a priest. If you and I are both called to be priests, then what is the role of a priest? And I think oftentimes we miss this but the role of a priest first and foremost is to minister to God. First and foremost is to minister to God. Did you know that your greatest calling in life is not the mass evangelization of the world, although that's part of it, but your greatest calling in life is to minister to the heart of God. That's why we worship in the morning, we don't worship to get you riled up. We don't worship to have emotionalism. We don't worship so that God will even do miracles among us, though that stuff happens. We worship God because he is worthy of our praise, because our role as a people, as a kingdom family, is to bless the heart of God. If he does nothing for us, if there's nothing else that happens, our role is to bless the heart of God. Years ago, I was talking, actually, as we were getting started in Sozo, I was talking to a, to a friend, uh, actually a mentor, about, uh, a, about what was going on in our church family. I said, I'm really, really enjoying worship. And he said, what are you doing that for? I said, I, I don't know, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, worship isn't for you. I was like, whoa. Changes everything, right? I feel foolish to admit that. Did you know so many people leave churches because they, they get upset about the sound of the music? Well, that's just not my preference. Guess what? It's actually not about your preference. <laughs> Serious. Like, it's not about like, oh, that made me feel good. Hey, that's awesome. Lauren said it earlier, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. I believe that and God inhabits the praises of his people. So I think worship should actually be really fun and enjoyable. But... Worship is not an emotional response to music. Worship is actually me ministering to the heart of God. 
And it's important, if I'm going to minister to the heart of God, I have to know the character of God. Because if I don't understand the character of God, then I don't actually know how to bless his heart. You see, for, for millennia, there have been people who have been making sacrifices to gods that they barely know, didn't know, made up, all that kind of stuff. And they make them in this, with this purpose, to appease an angry God. We don't worship God to make him happy with us. We don't worship God to get blessed by him. We don't worship God uh, because of what he can do for us. We worship God because he's God and he's our father and we love him. And so I don't care if you don't like the song. I don't care if you're not feeling it. Like a lot of times, like, oh, I don't wanna raise my hands or I don't wanna dance or because I don't feel it and I don't wanna be a hypocrite. Here's the, here's the thing. You have a role. You have a calling to be a priest. And because you have a calling to be a priest, it actually doesn't depend on your feelings, on you liking the song. It actually depends on you playing your role well. And so when we, when we choose to enter into worship, when I choose to, to maybe even go a little bit Davidic and dance a little bit, although I can't dance, David got made fun of for dancing. And he said, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm gonna become way more indignified than this. Yeah. Right? And so it actually... It actually doesn't matter how I feel. It matters who he is. And so here's what's cool is that we can offer God a sacrifice of praise, which means this, that it doesn't have to be about what I feel. It doesn't have to be, oh, if I'm, I'm really feeling good this morning. This morning, quite honestly, cedar fever has me feeling really bad. But I choose to worship God because Worshiping him doesn't, it, it has nothing to do with how I feel. We, when we have a revelation of who God is, our worship should like shake nations, right? And it, it's not to get anything from him, it's because he's already given everything to us. It's because he's really good. And so we assume this role, this posture of priesthood, that I just begin to bless the heart of God. And it doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning when we come together, actually, it's my role, my responsibility throughout my whole life is actually just to minister to the heart of God. Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey me. My obedience, my holiness is actually hospitality, is ministry to the presence of God that he's entrusted to me. And so that's the first role of priesthood. The second role of priesthood is this, is to minister from the heart of God. So I minister to the heart of God, but then I actually minister from the heart of God, that I actually represent who God is well to the world around me. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Go with me to Deuteronomy 5. We'll see where this whole thing fell apart and why I think sometimes it falls apart in our lives. Deuteronomy 5, 5 says this, this is Moses, it says, this is backing up a little bit into verse four, it says, at that time I stood between the Lord and you to declare the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and you did not go up the mountain. 
I don't know if you catch that. So this is, this is Moses recounting the story of receiving the Ten Commandments. There was like this big cloud of smoke, pillar of fire. God said, hey, consecrate yourselves for three days and then come up the mountain. And here's what Moses is saying. Moses is saying, Israel, you all were invited up the mountain to meet with me face to face because I did not want a kingdom with priests. I wanted a kingdom of priests. And so I was actually inviting you all to go up with me. But you were afraid, and so you sent me. Go with me now down to 23. I'll unpack that a little bit more in a second. It says, so when you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me, and you said, the Lord God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. But now why should we die? This great fire will consume us and we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. You see what happened there? They did not know the character of God. And so they projected fear onto God and they said, we need somebody to be a go-between between us and God. And right there in that moment, they created a class of priests. They said, I want somebody else to go get the word of the Lord for me. I want somebody else to do the priestly duty for me. And so we're going we're gonna to get special people to do that. And then the rest of us will, will just respond to what they said, to what they hear. So they, they minister to God on our behalf, and then they minister to us from God. And so they created a, a go-between, a, a special class. And we have a, a tendency of doing that today as much as they did. Oh, well, that guy, that guy's the holy guy. Wow, when Nathan worship, it's like when he leads worship, heaven comes down. When Steve teaches, it's like the word of God becomes alive in our midst. And so I'm gonna have him do that for me. I'm gonna have Nathan do that for me. When Emily goes off on that spontaneous worship stuff that it's like so prophetic, you can just hear heaven. I'm just gonna, she's gonna play that role and I'm just gonna be a recipient. We're not supposed to be recipients. We're not supposed to have somebody else do it for us. Yeah, we're a body and we all have parts to play and we all have roles. We all have like, I, I receive from you. This isn't individualist or individualism. It's not like, hey, just me and God. Like we're doing this thing together, but it does not, I'm not just saying, hey, somebody else do it for me. We weren't called and created to be consumers. We were called and created to be priests that minister to God and from God. And when we begin to understand the heart of God, that we can actually get in his presence and hear from him and see him and live because he's actually made us so clean by the blood of Jesus that we can be in his presence, that we actually become that mountain that hosts the presence of God. As 1 Corinthians and Ephesians says, we're temples of the Holy Spirit that there's actually a call from us to host the presence of God. And so I'm not waiting for somebody else to get a word from me. Yes, absolutely. While I receive from you, absolutely. My, my favorite thing is to watch our kids minister. 
If, uh, a few weeks ago when we were doing our Christmas celebration, our kids went out and prayed for people to receive joy. And so I got to partner with my daughter, uh, Eliza, who's six. And she was praying for people and you could see them get impacted by the presence of God. One guy said, I, I was holding it back and as soon as y'all walked away, I just started weeping. I just feel the presence of God. It's not because she's learned been trained in all this stuff. It's just that she was taught that she gets relationship with God and she can minister from that place. And so let me say this to your lack of training does not compromise the anointing that you carry. And your past, the decisions you've made, is not more powerful than the blood of Jesus that qualifies you to be a priest before God. Amen. You're not disqualified. You see what happens when we refuse to play, take our place as a kingdom of priests and we settle for people and priests, then we get religion. Religion is born out of the idea that somebody else is the holy man, the holy woman, and they've got something that I can't get, and so I'm gonna have them do it for me. Here's the way I've started living. Because God is no respecter of persons, is what scripture says. When I see God working in somebody else's life, I'm like, all right, that's what's available. Sign me up, I want in on that too. I don't say, oh, isn't that awesome? I'll, I'll never... I'll never do that. No, I'm like, okay, if all of God is living in me, if all of God is living in you, then, then you see somebody else doing something and it's not like, well, that they're the Holy special person, but it's actually, no, that's available in Jesus. The Holy Spirit living in me is saying, hey, that's how I'm called to live. And so when Jesus went to the cross, what he, one of the things that he did is that he, he died in our place. He died as us. And as he was dying, just the, the moment that he gave his last breath, in Matthew 27, it says that the temple curtain was torn. You're like, Joel, what are we doing talking about the interior design of the temple? That curtain was the, the barrier to the Holy of Holies. And, and the priest, the high priest, would go in there one time and he'd go in there with a rope tied around his foot and a bell on. And the reason why is because he was about to be face to face with God in the Holy of Holies. And if there was some bit of uncleanliness in his life, he could just bam, fall down dead. And so if they didn't hear the bell ringing because he was moving or they heard it ring real loud because he flopped down dead, they would pull him out by the rope on his foot. Crazy, right? But what happened with Jesus is that God took that curtain it says that it tore from the top to the bottom. That thing, I think, was 18 feet high. And it just ripped. And it was like a foot thick. The thing just ripped from the top to the bottom. And what God was saying is that the blood of Jesus 
makes you so pure, so clean, so holy that you actually now, there is no separation, no distance between us. You actually now get to go into my presence. You don't need a priest with, with a rope and a bell. You get to be in my presence and you're gonna live, not because of your performance, not because of what you did yesterday or a few minutes ago, but because of my blood, you're clean and now you get to minister before me. Not only that, but you actually get to be the holy of holies. You are the holy of holies. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's presence, uh, God's presence rests in you. It's like the Shekinah glory of God on the ark. There were like these cherubim and in the, in, in the middle was where the presence of God was seated. And now that's been put into me and you. He lives right here, right here. And now I get to minister to God. I get to host him really well. And so, 1 Peter 2, 9, this one is worth memorizing. 1 Peter 2, 9. It's in the Bible somewhere. It's, it's right before 2 Peter, I know that much. 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, uh, of you, let's see, declare uh, the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here's the thing, you and I, we are chosen people. Say, I'm a chosen person. Look to the person next to you and say, God chooses you too. We are a chosen people. We weren't a people before. Here's what's incredible. What, what Peter is saying is that everybody who is in Jesus, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter two. He says, we've been grafted into the promises of Israel and now we're one new man. And what, what Peter is saying is actually what Israel had responsibility and right to before they said, hey, let's create priests because we don't want to go up and be in the presence of God. He's saying now it's available to all of us, Jew and Gentile, like everybody gets in. We are now all a chosen people and we're a royal priesthood. You're not just like any old priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. Why are you royalty? You're royalty because your father is the king. But guess what? He's not just the king. He's the king of kings. And if he's the king of kings, that makes us kings and queens. Do you understand that? You actually have royalty. You are royal. You're a daughter, a son of the king. And when we begin to understand that the way that God sees us is not simply as servants just kind of, you know, messing around in the trash and scooping poop or whatever, but he actually sees us as royalty. Not only that, but he's actually entrusting his kingdom to us. Jesus says, I confer on you a kingdom. You actually have been entrusted with a piece of the kingdom of God. You're a royal people, sorry, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Here's what's important. It's not just that we're holy individuals, but we're a holy nation. Do you understand that? Like, like we weren't a people. A few years back, Sozo was not a people. But now 
We're, we're a nation. We're a, we're a people belonging to God, walking with God together to see his kingdom extend to the ends of the earth. Whether it's here, whether it's Thessaloniki, Greece, whether it's North Africa, wherever God goes, we're going as a people, wherever he leads us, and we're seeing his kingdom extend to the ends of the earth. Why? Because we're a royal priesthood. Here's the cool thing about royalty. Royalty never has to worry if the provision is going to be there for the call. God's always gonna provide for whatever he calls you to. He's always going to make a way. How often do you think royalty check their bank account? They're not worried about it. Now, I'm not saying to you, don't check your bank account. I've realized I don't check my bank account, not because I know there's so much money in there, but I'm afraid there's nothing in there, and so I bury my head in the sand. That's called foolishness, by the way. Don't do that. But God is always going to provide when you play your role. He wants you to play your role, us to play our role as a royal priesthood and as a holy nation. He has set us apart. Here's what's incredible. He set us apart as a people, as a nation, whose gates are always open. Meaning this, we're not an exclusive, we're set apart, but we're not exclusive, but the gates are always open and as soon as anybody chooses to step in, they can be a part of the family. Here's what I believe God is doing this year. I believe that he is putting the lonely in families. That he is creating place for people to belong and discover their identity, who he is. Oftentimes what happens is, is that we think, hey, we've got to have it all together to belong. But I believe in the kingdom that we belong first, that then we, we believe, we learn how to, to see God, see ourselves, and then finally we become who God has called us to be. And so often... We look at people like around us and you're like, oh man, that person's a mess. There's no way they would want God, right? Like, oh, well, you know, they did this and they're talking like that and all that stuff. It's hilarious to me when people find out that I'm a pastor, they start apologizing for like the last several words, the dirty joke, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, man, I don't care. That's, that's you and God. But anyways, uh, I was saying something and then I said nothing. But, but the truth is, is that people need to belong. How many of us had it all together when we said yes to Jesus when we entered the family? How many of us have it all together now? Right? So, so what happens in the kingdom is that we, we belong because God is good. He is gracious. And he's actually given us a ministry of reconciliation. He's, he's letting us declare his, his marvelous light to the world. Not only are you a royal priesthood and a holy nation, but there is a specific place that God has called you, specific places. He has a, he has a specific grace on your life. You've actually got a grace on your life that is different from, from anybody else in here. Ephesians 4, 7 says that, that Christ apportioned grace to each and every one of us as he saw fit. Meaning this, Preston's got different grace than Betsy. Has different grace than Nicole. Has different grace than Archie. You actually have custom-made grace from God 
which is not just about the forgiveness of sin, but it's actually the empowerment to see God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. There's actually supernatural grace on your life that goes with your assignment as a priest, first to minister to God. You make a sound to God, some of you like me that nobody else will recognize or be pleased with but God, but you make a sound to God that ministers to him in in a way only you could minister to him. And then you have a, a, a priesthood to people that only you are going to minister to. And there's a specific grace for you. You have a custom-made grace for a custom God-given assignment. 2 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul is talking about his ministry and his right to boast, but he, he uses a phrase that makes a ton of sense to how God works. He uses this phrase in Greek, it's called metron ta canon. And it means this, the metron, the, the sphere, the measure of your rule. You actually have a measure of rule that has been entrusted, entrusted to you. And when, when you start to realize that there's actually favor on your life in different places. There, there are ways that you minister to God that bless his heart. There are ways that, there are places that God has placed you that will be, bring transformation, that will see his kingdom come in ways that, that nobody else could. Nicole has a specific assignment to her classroom to see the kingdom of heaven come in a way that none of us are going to see it. John, is, that, that's, that classroom's not for you. That's Nicole's classroom, so get your own. But so often we compare ourselves to other people and say, oh, well, that's what they're doing over there. And and we don't see where God has placed us. Most of us are like, okay, I get that I'm a priest, I minister to God, and then I minister to people, but where? Right? Like, do I need to like start a Bible study or group or whatever? Yeah, maybe. But more than that, you need to pay attention to the places that God has already placed you in to see his kingdom come. And one of the most damaging things that you can do to your ministry assignment is complain about the places God has you. You'll never see God move while you're complaining. And so whether it's your, your job that you hate, begin to give thanks for it. Begin to say, hey God, what is it that you've called me to here? Begin to pray for the people in that place Say, God, what's my assignment here? Is it one? Is it everybody? What, like, what are you calling me to? And it's, by the way, your assignment is not simply to tell people about Jesus, although that's awesome. You actually, by the way, get to introduce them to Jesus because he's in you. But it, it may be a, a Joseph assignment, which is to actually just, uh, and Daniel, to actually just offer wisdom, to see that place thrive, whether it's righteous or evil. Your, your role is to serve all in and represent who God is in that place. And so I believe this year is a year of fruitfulness for us. I believe that God has fruit all over the place. And and that that happens as we do what John 15 says, as we remain in him, as we worship him and honor him and stay in our place of, of being at home in him. And then he remains in us. And from there, we bear a lot of fruit. But it requires this, that we learn first that we minister to God and we minister from God. So how can you minister to the heart of God? I think, I think the, the starting place 
is this, that you would set aside time just to be with God. You just make it a daily part of your life. And in that, you're not simply like setting a stopwatch and seeing how long you can go or just trying to read all the way through scripture, but that you actually sit and minister to the heart of God. David gives us a pretty incredible key in Psalm 100, verse four. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You wanna have the right perspective on life, start with thanksgiving and praise. Say, God, thank you for today. I've gotta go to that job I hate. Oh, no, wait, no, thank you for that job. Let me see it as you see it. Let me see the people as you see them. Let me see that boss that I'm having a hard time loving. Let me see them through your eyes. And as I begin to see life through the lenses of gratitude, it will change my attitude and I'll actually be able to host the presence of God and see him move. The, the second place is this. I believe that there are no lone rangers in Christianity. That if we're a kingdom family, then it actually requires that we know each other and that we be together. So I just encourage you to find, Natalie was talking about how, how we're launching some dinner parties and there's some other ways that you can get connected. You can check out the connect table in the back, but find some people. And, and I, I, when we started Sozo, I had the conviction that I was not trying to get like two hours of people's time on a Sunday morning or, or four hours like a Sunday morning and in like a, a small group of their time. No, I, I want to see God get 24 seven of people's lives. And what we need in our life is a hub for community, a place that we can belong to and be sent from. But we also need eyes to see that God has sent you and, and your primary calling is probably to the places that he already has you. It's your neighborhood, it's your workplace, it's your school, it's the place you work out, it's the places that you go regularly and that you would actually have eyes to see what God is up to and then join him in it. You know, we don't have to be creative to make this stuff happen. We just get to join the creator and watch him work. And we begin to see things the way he sees them. Then we'll see his kingdom come. So what I wanna ask you to do is this, that you would commit to daily ministering to the heart of God. Can you do that? It may be in your car and you may, it may be singing songs, it may be reading psalms, it may just be praying, but that you would minister to the heart of God. If you're in for that, would you raise your hand? That you would minister to the heart of God, all right? And then here's your second assignment, is that you would pray daily for the places and the people that God has you around. Places he has you in and the people he has you around. You don't have to be clever. You don't have to be like some super anointed missionary evangelist fire breathing, you know, whatever. All you have to do is be, prayer, is be prayerful. Get the heart and mind of God through prayer and you'll see him move in mighty ways. And you may just discover that that's actually what you were created for and where you'll find the most joy. And so you agreed that you were gonna daily be a priest and, and worship God. Will you also daily be a priest that carries God wherever you go. You're just gonna pray for where God has you. And I believe that as we do that, we're gonna have incredible stories to tell. Here's what I'd love for you to do. I'm gonna give you my email address real quick and send me your stories. 
joel.lowry at sozosmtx.com. Joel.lowry, there's no E in Lowry. Somebody couldn't buy a vowel, so it's just L-O-W-R-Y. And, uh, and I, I wanna hear your stories because I believe that God is going to move this year in mighty ways as we just join him, as we assume our roles as priests. This morning, we're gonna finish our time together in worship and in communion. I love communion because it recognizes our shared union with Jesus. We recognize that he actually gave his body to be beaten so that we could be restored, so made whole, that he gave his very life, the blood from his veins, so that we could enter into a new covenant, that we could be marked as righteous, not based on our performance, but based on his, that we could be clean and pure and that we get to share in him, in his presence, even as we take him in. And so communion in a lot of ways is like re-upping our vows in marriage. It's like saying, hey God, I'm st still all in with you. And so I'd, I'd love for you to come forward and receive communion in just a minute. Uh, servers, you guys can come forward. We've also got our prayer team. They would love to pray with you. Um, Diane really felt like God was gonna heal somebody, maybe several people's knees this morning. And so um, if, you, if you need prayer for healing, not just your knee, he's no respecter of persons or body parts. He'd love to heal you, whatever's going on. He'd also love to minister to your heart. And so if you've, if you've got just something you could use some prayer support in, then, then come forward. Would you stand with me? Let's make a declaration together. Thank you, Father, that you're good. I love you. Thank you for my call. Thank you for my call. The, one you the one you gave only me. A call to be a priest. To be a priest. Thank, you Thank you that I get to minister to your heart. And I get to minister from your heart. I accept. That was good. You don't know what you're accepting and you still said it. You trust me. I accept my role as a priest. I take it seriously. Thank you for entrusting me with all of you. In Jesus' name, amen.